It's summertime, and that means it's time to get outside and enjoy the weather with some crisp, refreshing Bud Lights. Bud Light has the perfect summer lineup with Bud Light Lime and Bud Light Orange, both brewed with real citrus peels. New and just in time for summer is Bud Light Lemon Tea, brewed with real lemon peels and tea leaves. It's the ideal drink for summer, but it's only here for a limited time, so get it before it's gone. Hello and welcome to Jam Session. I am Amanda Dobbins. Juliette Littman is still yacht watching from afar. So this week, I am joined by none other than Justin Charity. Justin, hello. Hello. I'm thrilled to have you here on Jam Session to talk about possibly, well, two of the most important things in my life. Number one, we're going to talk later on about the 1999 movie, The Thomas Crowd Affair. Yes. Whose, whose 20th anniversary is this week. And I was just like, you know what? We're doing a movie segment. Juliet does also really like this movie. And Justin, you are a James Bond enthusiast, much like myself. So we have, this movie is relevant to our interests, if you will. So, yes, yes. Yeah, so we're Pierce gonna, Brosnan's finest hour. Right. Yes. We're going to talk about that. And you have also prepared a mystery bag that you will present at some point. But first, we have to do a celebrity yacht watch. And frankly, this might be the greatest celebrity yacht watch that has happened in Jam Session history. There were some photos published on Sunday about Barry Diller's yacht. And they were published in the Daily Mail, and they feature Katy Perry, Orlando Bloom, Bradley Cooper, and Oprah. And... It's maybe the richest paparazzi text of 2019, I have to say. It's really taken the internet by storm. And so, Justin, you've agreed to talk about this with me, but just as we were recording, you were just kind of like, this yacht stuff, this is wild. So do you want to just share your first impressions about— Yeah, but in order to talk about a yacht, we have to talk about the dinghy. Okay. Um, Because that's where the photos start. There's— We've got Katy Perry and Bradley Cooper and Oprah, among other people, in a dinghy, which sounds like a really simple image. But instead, you have the first image in this Daily Mail story is Katy Perry. What is she doing? She's like humping and trying to like crawl into a dinghy. Yes, it appears that she is trying to board the dinghy. And but in a very counterintuitive way, like not how you or I would necessarily so board a dinghy. I, I agree with you. So let's talk about a couple of things. By dinghy, they mean this is a clearly luxury dinghy. There are built yeah. in like armchair seats. It probably holds, what, 10, 15 people? I'm not a, a, a naval expert. Don't quote me on that. Um, <laughs> but what's interesting is that they are not at a dock. They are all wading into the water to get on the dinghy, which frankly is a lot to ask of some of the most famous people in the world. But I guess, you know, they want to feel like that they're of the people as well. So they're in the Italian, like Italian town of Panera or no, I'm sorry, Paneria, not to be confused with Panera Bread Company. Panera! (laughs) In a yacht! They pulled up in their yacht to Panera. You know what? Panera would have a dock. But anyway, and they 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 were wandering around the town, and then they're trying to get back on the boat. And Katy Perry's strategy, her form, is extremely puzzling. And this doesn't make sense because <laughs> it's like, so we're, I'm looking at these photographs, and it seems like the dinghy is kind of knee to thigh high. So 
if you don't have upper arm strength, I guess you can't really just like do a push up and get yourself into the yacht. You might need some help. You know, it maybe, is, but <laughs> go ahead. It just looks like it looks like more so than worrying about her upper body strength. It's like how you would crawl into a dinghy if you were like allergic to water. Because <laughs> she, she's crawling in a way that suggests that she does not want a single part of her foot to touch the water beneath her. And that's why she's doing this weird like saving Private Ryan crawl into right. what is otherwise... <laughs> A very simple naval structure. Yeah, it's true. Like, she's kind of jettisoned herself up from the rocks. It does have, like, a military crawl vibe to it. That's (laughs) definitely true. There are also, there is some hanging on for dear life aspects to it. We should note the other people. Bradley Cooper is assisting her in this ill-fated role attempt. And then Barry Diller can also be seen kind of checking on various aspects of the yacht. Gail King is already seated. And then Oprah is just sitting on the side of the yacht looking at Katy Perry like, what are you doing? Like, Yeah, it's not even that. (laughs) It's not even that incredible because she's she's almost in the first photo. It's like it's hard to see what Oprah's thinking. But in the next photos, it feels like her smile is expanding and she's sort of looking at Katy like, yeah, you got this, (laughs) I guess. Like, sure. I mean, I guess that's what I would want if Oprah were watching me try to mount like a dinghy in the worst possible fashion. I have to say, let's just in the spirit of being honest, I can't say I would have like perfect dinghy form. You know what I mean? I don't know if I would look that different aboarding a dinghy than (laughs) Katy Perry does. If we're just being very honest. That's fair. I I mean, like, what would your strategy be? Would you try to do one leg over and then the other? I would do whatever the hell Oprah did, which is probably somebody, I don't know, somebody teleported Oprah into the dinghy. She's that rich. Katy Perry's not Oprah rich. That's why she has to crawl or Oprah's just (laughs) sitting there. Like, nothing bad happened to her today. If you keep scrolling, there are photos of two gentlemen helping Oprah down the path. So it's clear that, and it's like one gentleman for each hand. So Oprah has the support that she needs. It maybe seems like Katy Perry thought she had it, and then narrator, she did not have it. And then Bradley Cooper had to step in. I don't really know. So these there are like five photographs of this. Then you keep scrolling. And shout out to the Daily Mail where you scroll for like 30 to 40 pictures yes. before you get to, and you know, it's them walking through the town, them looking at stuff. But then you finally get a close-up of Bradley Cooper and Bradley Cooper's sunscreen application. And I have to be honest, it's the most bearing the lead thing of all time. I couldn't stop laughing as soon as I got to this photo. He looks like a serial killer. Yeah, it looks like he's going into the jungle to fight some sort of gorilla force. It's very weird how his whole facial setup is. It looks like he's trying to camouflage himself a little bit. So sometimes people just like put some sunscreen on their nose. It, I feel like this is a thing from 60s movies where like people would put Noxzema on their nose, which has no known sunscreen properties that I'm aware of. But I don't know. Just like a, it, that's a mental image that is familiar to me. But this is kind of, the sunscreen is on his nose and also half on his cheeks. It looks like he just had one glob of sunscreen. Like he was just rationed like one glob and was like, where can I put this that will be the most effective and just opted for the like smack dab in the middle of his face and then moved it around as best he could. And then was like, I'm good. It's bizarre to me. I also just don't think, does sunscreen work this way? Don't you have to rub it in? 
I've never worn sunscreen. See, I don't have to worry about these sort of things. I will say, speaking of like the sun and uh, wealthy people being around a boat on like some luxurious getaway, I can't help but look at these photos and notice that Katy Perry is tan in some photos and not tan in others. And I just, I feel very conspiracy-y about that. Fact. Well, a couple things. You got to figure it's over the course of a day, right? Yeah. So the lighting is changing. Okay, and I think fair. probably, you know, and there's like sunlight and probably by the end of the day, it's kind of that magic hour where everyone looks better than they normally do. That's my best argument for this. Also, you got to keep in mind the photographs of her boarding the dinghy are it's you're just seeing a lot of areas that aren't usually exposed to the sun. I, that sounds like <laughs> that that sounds more salacious than it actually is. It's just that her shorts are writing up. She, you know, there's yeah. there's nothing gross about this. But you know, I think that's more with lighting and also they had a whole lovely day in the town. They were walking through things. I think that's the thing. It's like it's so the middle section of the the photo spread is so mundane because it really is just a bunch of celebrities walking around. But it gives the whole it gives the whole article this sense of being like, I feel like it should be re released for like fifteen ninety nine as a comic volume. You know, <laughs> yes, like it's that picturesque. And, it's, and it's, I don't know. It's, it's literally just Orlando Bloom taking pictures of a cactus, Katy Perry taking pictures of a truck. It's really yeah, and a dog. <laughs> Orlando Bloom goes for a swim. He seems to be the only person who's interested in the water. This is the other thing. Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry, I believe, are still engaged. And Orlando Bloom just decided to go for a swim and not support Katy Perry in the dinghy process (laughs) at all. Like, he's just completely absent from the photographs and swims up once she's safely on the dinghy. I don't know how I would feel about that personally if I were in this relationship. I mean, that's a good call. How do you feel about yachts generally, Justin Charity? I mean, put aside all environmental and socioeconomic concerns, you know, where we understand that they are bad for the world and also that they are a resource held by the few. But like, if you can get past all of that, would you want to go on vacation on a yacht? Is that oh, I can't wait to be invited on a yacht. Okay. Because I like, you know, I feel like, for instance, cruise ships, right, are super divisive. And I love cruise ships. So I just think of that as an indicator that, well, the day I'm invited on an actual yacht, it's just going to blow my mind. What do you like about cruise ships? Uh, I like that there's no pressure to do any particular thing, even though there's sometimes like a lot of scheduling on a cruise ship. There are a lot of activities. I- yeah, but I if I'm on a cruise ship, I feel no real impetus to do anything that I don't want to do in a way that's not how I feel when I'm standing on any land anywhere on Earth. Sure. So it's the water that gives you that freedom? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the fact can't yeah, it's like you have no options. You're just surrounded by water. What are you gonna do really except for go to a buffet? Right. So you would be open to a yacht experience. Would you be more of a like a jet ski type of guy? Would you go swimming? Who are you in this dinghy? I would just be social climbing in the dinghy. I okay. wouldn't be doing physical <laughs> activities in the dinghy. I'd want to meet people. Okay. I'd want to see if I could get people to invest in me in some way. You know, <laughs> I would be focused on the social aspects it's of the It's a yacht, networking opportunity the, for you. Right. And not, yeah, a, not yeah. a leisure opportunity. That's what happens. I spent like a decade in D.C. And now I can only think of yachts in, in terms of social climbing and networking, unfortunately. This is a great point because we should point out Oprah in a, who doesn't really need to be social climbing at all. I think people are social climbing to Oprah, we should say. But Oprah, yes. in addition to being on Barry Diller's 
yacht, which is called EOS. And this was after Google Camp, which we talked about a little bit last week on Jam Session. Charity, are you familiar with Google Camp? <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I was reading a bit about it, but I just... <laughs> I'm sort of hung up on the idea of this Google Camp, even though it sounds like a very Google Expand on that. Thing. Go ahead. No, it's just Google Camp. Like, it, on the one hand, it makes perfect sense that Oprah Winfrey would have something to do with Google Camp. But also, who the fuck has time for Google Camp? I don't know. A lot, a lot of wealthy people. And also Prince Harry, who apparently showed up yes. to give a speech. And the coverage of this really focused on the fact that Prince Harry was barefoot while giving his speech. Oh which God. is, I mean, I don't even know what to say. Although I, if I were at the beach, I don't really like wearing shoes either. So I support Prince Harry. But yeah, so anyway, Oprah was on Barry Diller's yacht as a part of Google Camp. But also this week, she was on David Geffen's yacht, which was nearby Google Camp because it dropped Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom off at Google Camp. So people who are yacht hopping, Katy Perry, Orlando Bloom, and Oprah. And we got to talk about who else was on David Geffen's yacht. This is Rising Sun, which is like the most famous yacht. And Oprah was there, Gail King, Carly Kloss, also Jeff Bezos and Lauren Sanchez, who are apparently still together and yachting with David Geffen. Really incredible stuff. Is there anyone else? Of no okay, so we should also mention Carly Kloss and her now husband, Josh Kushner, brother of. And then... Misha Nonu. Do you know who Misha Nonu is? I don't. I okay. don't know who that is. Misha Nonu. How am I going to describe this? So I think that she is technically a designer. She's a socialite, and she famously set up Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Oh, so it's okay. all full circle here. So in a lot of ways, David Geffen, the yacht, is not as like kind of movie star famous. But it's also... Oh, I'm sorry. Also... Um, Lloyd Blankfein was on the yacht. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the. Yes, I. <laughs> so I saw it's Lloyd like it's somewhere. not the week one on Rising Sun was kind of movie stars, and week two is kind of the behind the scenes power circle on Rising Sun, and Oprah is just flitting between them because what else would Oprah do? So if you had to choose between Rising Sun and EOS, the Barry Diller yacht, which would you choose for your pursuits, Charity? No, I'd, I'd choose Rising Sun. Because yeah. like I said, you set the standard for me in terms of yacht hierarchy. Okay, um, that's very so kind of Sun, you. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I I'm think if, if it's a networking opportunity, then that seems like the right choice for you. Yes. I will say, I'm looking like looking at these photos, it is so clear to me that of the, of the whole constellation of yachts, right? Mm -hmm. Bezos has like uncontested the strongest yacht vibes. And I, I feel like that's Katy Perry's problem is that she has the weakest yacht vibe. She really needs to sort of, she needs to work on her yacht vibes. She feels like, it feels like she's a little, she's not there yet. Like if I showed up to all of this, mm -hmm. I feel like I'd be vying for social status with Katy Perry, you know? Wow. And that's you think that like. she at this point in her career just needs to like look like she belongs more? Yeah. Belong yeah. on that yacht. Yeah. Learn how to board a dinghy. Yes. I agree with you that... Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to a yacht to network. It's clear that that's what everyone else is doing, and so I would be doing it wrong. You know, everyone else is there to make connections, to buy their own yachts one day to be a part of the yacht experience, and I'd be just like, well, but I'd like to go swimming. I'm definitely playing this all wrong. But as someone who would want to be on the yacht just to have a vacation, 
I think maybe this week I would have picked the Barry Diller yacht. That's because because number one, love Italy. Number two, I just in terms of pure entertainment, it looks way more fun. I would like to have been a spectator for the Katy Perry experience. And yes. you know, you can see Oprah on either yacht. So that's I also great. would have helped Katie. I would have <laughs> someone should have been there to help this. Why did none of Oprah's people help her? That's what I'm saying. That no there, one can figure this out for her. To be fair, in this one photograph, there are four men reaching to help her. It's just well, too late. Mm, it's so men, but that's the thing. They're reaching to help her, but none of them appear to actually have achieved the state of help. You can see Katy Perry being like, no, I got help. this. Right? Okay. Like well, you can see Katy Perry being like, I have been doing my workouts and I can do this. And then underestimating, frankly, some of it might just be a physics problem is that it was just taller than she understood herself to be and then just kind of didn't really get the momentum. But I would have helped her, but I also would have been no use because I would have been flailing as well. Let's be real. I would be Orlando Bloom swimming in this situation. I would be just (laughs) like, guys, I'm going to get in the water. (laughs) I'll see you guys later. It looks like a nice time. I'm happy that yacht season is in full swing. We It was kind of quiet in July, and we said that August is when it would take off, and here we are. And people are really living up to their, to their yacht experience. One more question for you. Sure. Do you think that David Geffen and Barry Diller feel competitive about yacht coverage at this point in their lives? Anyone who's in the yacht constellation feels competitive, right? I feel like they have to. I agree. I just wanted to make sure that we were on the same page about this. And again, you've isolated that networking and and being seen as a part of this experience. So I'm sure that, I mean, David Geffen just like posts on Instagram, everyone who's on his yacht. I feel like you have to agree to be in the Instagram in order to board the rising sun. Yeah, but it's like, there are lots of reasons, good and bad, to want to be on a yacht, but there's only one reason to own a yacht, and mm-hmm. it's to compete with other yacht owners. I mean, I maybe like. you also like the water. I don't know about that. Then you would just buy the water. You know what? This is a great, great transition, believe it or not, into the Thomas Crown Affair, because, <laughs> because I was explaining why we were doing this to Kaya. And the real reason we're doing this is because it was released this week in 1999, and I freaking love this movie. I've seen it many, many times. So does Juliet. Juliet loves any movie set in a museum. And also it stars Pierce Brosnan, who also played James Bond. Peak Pierce Brosnan. Oh my God. And this is peak Pierce Brosnan. So we agreed to talk about it because it's several of our interests. But there is a fancy boating scene in this movie that is relevant to everything (laughs) that we were talking about. I wouldn't say this is a yacht. Do you actually know what kind of vessel it is? No. See, this is the problem too. It's like, I don't actually... There are so many rich people nautical terms. Yes. I don't know why wealthy people have a monopoly on the ocean and other bodies of water. But no, I do not know the actual <laughs> technical terms for the, the naval equipment in this movie. I don't really either. I do know it. I mean, it's a sailboat, which I know because sails are involved. Yes. And it's one of several rich people leisure activities that the main character, Thomas Crown is shown pursuing throughout this movie. I think he plays golf. He goes sailing. He goes parasailing. Yes. There is an island vacation, which we'll come back to. But there is this fairly, I guess it's an action scene where he is sailing this giant vessel. And it seems like it's some sort of competitive race because like rich people also, you know, have regattas and whatnot. And 
it's a beautiful boat that he basically crashes on purpose. And that's supposed to tell you that this character, you know, likes risk and likes, he has a taste for danger and also nothing in the real world challenges him. So he has to seek out his own challenges. But I, every time I watch this scene, I have no idea that he's intentionally crashing a boat until another character is like, he intentionally crashed a boat because I, I no thought that I- was just me. I, thought, I have I no idea same. what's going on in the scene. I don't understand. Yes, what's, I agree. I don't know what's good sailing and bad sailing. Like, yes. I really thought I was the only one because whatever. Yeah, you're right. Every time I've watched that scene and it cuts to, to the conclusion that like, oh, he just crashed it for fun. I'm like... I, Oh, I guess that's what happened. I thought he just crashed. I was worried about him. I, me too. I mean, it's, it's definitely, the, there is a crash and that is legible. And you're just like, oh, it seems like that's not what's supposed to happen in a boat. But the boat is kind of careening to and fro, like for two minutes before it crashes. And it just kind of looks like that's the sport. I have no idea what the sport is. I have no idea what they're supposed to be doing except being rich people on a boat. Which again... I guess is a the theme of this podcast. <laughs> Jam session brought to you by rich people on boats. Okay. Yes. So we talked a little bit about Thomas Crown Affair. If you have not seen the Thomas Crown Affair in 1999, I'm going to attempt to do like a brief summary that's also a sales pitch. The Thomas Crown Affair is a remake of the original Thomas Crown Affair released in 1968, starring Steve McQueen, Faye Dunaway. And it is considered a classic. And there are many people who think that loving the 1999 Thomas Crown Affair, which is not quite as much of a classic, is sort of ridiculous. But on this podcast, we love the Thomas Crown Affair (laughs) 1999 because Uh. it is fun. And the gist is Pierce Brosnan plays a rich businessman who sets up his own art heist, and he steals a painting from the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And Rene Russo plays the insurance collector, enforcement agent, the insurance bounty hunter, basically. Yeah. Who is trying to get the painting back and investigating him. And then it just becomes this cat and mouse detective game and also this romance between these two difficult, closed-off people who also are really rich and live ridiculous lives and have tremendous rich people interests. Is that a decent summary? Yeah. I mean, especially the cat and mouse element. I just feel like there aren't that many great cat and mouse movies anymore. I also get liking the original over this, I guess, but it's just, I think the Momo really sells this movie. I don't know. I I think the art gallery element is is so distinct in this movie and it's just fun to hang out in an art gallery and watch people steal shit and I agree I agree entirely it's been Juliet's talking point forever that any movie set in a museum is ultimately great and they really they film at the Metropolitan Museum throughout this movie and you can tell like especially now that they don't that everything's green screened or just kind of done in studio it's like oh you're actually you're in the museum and that's kind of the whole thing about this movie is that it takes ridiculous rich people stuff and a little bit, I wouldn't say it's making fun of it, but it doesn't take it super seriously. And also it lets you watch Pierce Brosnan crash like a weird boat for no reason. And it lets you be like on their magical island, which is still this vacation scene on Martinique is still my number one movie vacation of all time. (laughs) I was watching it again last night. I mean, 
every aspect of that house is so beautiful. The tiles, the, all the clothes in the closet that he has for Rene Russo, it's really, really important. It makes me want to go parasailing, even though that looks pretty stressful in the moment. (laughs) It does. It really does, though. That you can also tell that they filmed on a screen, but whatever. So tell me, you said this is peak Pierce Brosnan. Tell me why. I think Brosnan is just so much sexier in this movie than he ever is as James Bond. As James Bond, he always feels... My problem with the James Bond movies that Brosnan is in is that he always feels like an accountant who somebody should report to HR... Mm-hmm. Whereas in in the Thomas Crown Affair, he feels legitimately dangerous and sexy. He doesn't feel like a Sears catalog model. He feels like, oh, this is the appeal of this guy. Yes. With this accent and with his hair and the way he dresses. And in Bond, it just feels too like, there's something about it that just feels, I don't know, maybe it's just that like Brosnan doesn't really have the sexuality of James Bond, but he has a sexuality that he can sell more on his own terms in this movie. I think that makes a lot of sense. I was, yeah, I was thinking he's not really as emotionally tortured as James Bond is or Mm -hmm. in different ways. Yeah, he's so silly. Like, that's what I like about the movie. It's like his sex appeal in the Thomas Crown Affair is cut with how silly he gets to be in this movie. Mm -hmm. They also don't make him do that many actual fighting action sequences. I mean, yeah. he doesn't really fight. His action sequences are limited to the actual stealing of the painting, yeah. which, you know, he has to roll under a grate, but he can do that. Yeah. And he's on the boat, but he's really just like hanging on a boat, which I think he does all the time because Pierce Brosnan now, by all accounts, like lives most of the time in Hawaii and just Yeah, he's like, no Katy yachts. Perry. He knows how to get on a Yeah, date, exactly. You know? He just like goes on boats and then like goes to the local coffee shop. But so he looks more natural in that. And they make him, he just doesn't have to do as many stunts. And I think what we learned from the Pierce Brosnan stuff is that he doesn't really, he's not great at stunts. (laughs) He's really not. I think also what this movie taught me is that I really like heist movies and I (sighs) like action, but I don't really need people like fighting and crashing helicopters all of the time. Though I guess there is a helicopter aspect to this movie, to this heist. Yeah, you're right. It's totally that it's the it's it's the kind of heist movie where people don't need to get shot. Like, I don't know, the most violent sequence is like in the beginning where one of the guards tases one of the original thieves early in the the movie. It's like a taser right. scene. Right. That's great. You know, some good old-fashioned silly is the right word for this. Rewatching it last night, I was like this heist makes no sense and would have been caught <laughs> stopped like 18 times. <laughs> but and so they arrive in a literal Trojan horse, which is very funny. But the Trojan horse is not supposed to be what's delivered at the museum that day. And everyone at the museum is like, sure, just bring this horse in. No problem. That wouldn't happen. That makes no sense at all. And then the fact that he comes to the the museum twice in one day, he being Pierce Brosnan. I mean, this man is like a very busy Wall Street person. He does not have time to be going uptown to the museum, then downtown to his office, then back uptown to the museum twice in one day. I just feel that people would be suspicious. I, But I still don't really care. It's just fun to watch, even though— I mean, though- in fairness, Rene Russo is pretty suspicious, though. Like, that's the thing. It's 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 He's so flagrant. And that's why I like the setup of the Thomas Crown Affair, where, like, the beginning is Rene Russo being like, 
this guy did it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> otherwise, it's like, it's not that big of a mystery that he's, that Thomas Crown is shady. Yeah. Um, but it totally works in the movie's favor that Rene Russo just comes in and is like, this guy did it. I just need to prove it. Yes, which is fine. This is a great movie. I really recommend it. Watch it. It's been 20 years. It is definitely dated in a lot of ways, but... Would you say a lot? I think the only way it's really, really dated is the music. A lot of the original music in this movie is, especially during the first heist, it's just the music is so cheesy 90s. The guitar when the guys are in, you know, sawing away out of the horse and it's just really cheesy. Yeah, I did notice that as well. But the rest is built around Nina Simone. So that's, you can't be mad at that. Yeah, that's great. The Nina Simone stuff is great. It's great. I recommend it. Jam Session Movie Club, Thomas Crown Affair, 1999. Please report back. You can also watch the 1968 version if you're so inclined. I mean, it's good to know about movies. But on this podcast, we respect Thomas Crown Affair, 1999. Justin, it is time for Mystery Bag. Okay. So to remind everyone, this is a segment where Justin has chosen three topics that he thinks are relevant to the Jam Session community. I don't know what they are. And you're you're going to present them to me. And it's yeah. it's really your show. I've closed my computer. I'm just, I'm here to listen and learn from you. So topic number one, what do we got? Well, my first topic is a question. Which oh, wow. Is, um, yes. Where is Rihanna? Like, what's going, like, I feel like <laughs> this there's is like a great... witness protection program thing happening. Because I feel like this is a Rihanna summer, but no one knows where Rihanna is. And so it's a Taylor Swift summer instead. And it feels like that's not the ideal order of the universe at the moment. So I agree with that entirely. So I have some, I can answer that question sort of. I mean, I don't know where Rihanna is. I don't have her phone number and we're not friends as much as I would like to be. But she has been spotted or there have been rumors that she's living in London and that she bought a place in London and she likes it there because she can go out in public a little bit more and be slightly more protected from paparazzi. I think it's also she's doing so much with um, her fashion line now, which is owned by Louis Vuitton, so which is headquartered in Paris. So I think London is like close to Paris and she can go there for her business stuff, but can also just hide in London. I mean, these are all just paparazzi rumors. I honestly don't know. But I think the literal answer to your question might be that Rihanna is somewhere in London. Where is Rihanna emotionally, spiritually? Also a great question. <laughs> I We can talk a lot about it. I will say just this weekend, she came out in and was on Instagram in response to both of the shootings in Ohio and in Texas and was just calling out Donald Trump. And I really appreciated it, and it was great to see her. So she's still present, and she'll still show up on Instagram. But you're right that she's not releasing stuff. She's not on any sort of aggressive press tour. And the thing that's interesting about Rihanna is, like, I don't really think she has to be. I don't know if she'll ever do a press tour or, like, an album release, maybe ever again. Really? Why? Why? Well— Okay, for a couple reasons. I think because I think she'll release music again. But there are a couple of things. Number one, do people need to release albums anymore? No. Right. I mean, I, I lean into the idea that like I think it's maybe overstated sometimes that, you know, oh, the album format is old and dead. But I do lean into the idea that streaming is fun and exciting and new and people should find 
whatever format feels suited to the 21st century rather than just being like, okay, here's another album. Like, Right. And I think she, she actually may well make an album again because I think the flip side of that is that albums are basically a luxury of the super famous and established artist at this point. And that if you make it to a certain stage and you're like, well, what I really want to do is release a full album, you have the ability to do that. And I think artists still think of an album as like a, a thesis statement, right? So I think she'll do it, but I don't think that she'll ever do the, you know, anti out February 1st or whenever it was released and do the kind of thing that you mentioned that Taylor Swift is doing this summer of just kind of flogging it and showing up everywhere because she didn't need to. She's Rihanna. Right. And then I think on the flip side, her beauty line has been so successful. And then she now she also has a lingerie line and she's establishing like a full clothing line. And she is the, like, I can't be overstated how successful those are. And I think she's just spending a lot of time on that business. And I think she likes doing it. So I do think that she is actually involved in those. And also the way that she promotes them is kind of in the like drop cycle, you know, which is just kind of like an ongoing maintenance of interest as opposed to, the kind of I'm everywhere all of the time interest. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I think she's really interesting because she's probably the most successful pop star, definitely financially, but obviously she doesn't make as much music anymore. I assume she'll go back to music just because everyone has to be a multi-hyphenate at this point. But I don't know. It's funny. So like my my next question for you or Mm -hmm. next topic for you is sort of, on the opposite end of the spectrum yeah. from Rihanna, which is, I need you to tell me whether Chance the Rapper is a bad celebrity. <laughs> I feel like he's... Oh, I don't know what's so going on. Yeah. Well, do you want to kind of set up the backstory of the last few weeks of Chance? Because I think that those are useful to explore it. Yeah. Okay, so Chance recently released his quote-unquote first album. He's put out lots of mixtapes and projects, but his first sort of solo album, The Big Day, came out recently, and there is this general sense in the air, and we've written about it on TheRinger.com, Rob Harville has written about this phenomenon, of people being kind of over chance, and people thinking he's kind of, um, he's he kind of has like this shiny, bright camp counselor vibe that maybe like four years ago was novel and in exciting and interesting but that at this point in 2019 is maybe overstated it's welcome a little bit regardless of how good Chance's music may or may not be and it just it has for the past couple weeks right this sort of soft backlash to Chance the Rapper has made me wonder like what is it about I I get somebody looking at Chance and looking at how upbeat he is and looking at how sort of PG-13 he's like a very PG-13 vibe about him And I both instinctively feel like I get the backlash, but also feel like it's unfair. And I don't really know how to articulate a real final judgment about whether everyone should leave Chance the Rapper alone or whether Chance the Rapper should leave us alone. (laughs) I just don't know. I don't know what fair, a fair conclusion to this. These are great questions. This is, and you've isolated a very interesting thread. As you were speaking, I was thinking, I there are kind of two answers to this, to the question of, is he a good celebrity? Which is, is the persona that he has constructed successful? And also kind of, has he been strategically managing it? 
So there's both kind of like, is he emotionally a good celebrity and is he strategically a good celebrity? Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. And the emotional thing, I was thinking back to, I don't know, when did Chance first come on the scene? Like six, seven years ago? Yeah. Uh, a while rap, ago. First yeah. sort of breakout tape is acid rap, like, yeah, that long and ago. And he was a super earnest and sunny and young in a good way. It felt, I mean, I hate to say Obama era, but it definitely like was of the Obama era. And obviously he, Obama and specifically Obama's daughters were big fans of Chance. But I remember even at the time being a little bit older than Chance and his target group being like, huh, I, I see the appeal of this and it does also feel a bit young. It feels a bit naive is like the wrong word, but unspoiled, uncynical, earnest. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's hard to stay that, to keep playing that note when you're aging and also your fan base is aging. And also the world around you is changing, if that makes any sense. there's There hasn't been like a lot of forward movement on him. Okay, so there's that there's that sense of a lack of progression. But I also think a lot because recently um, on The Ringer, we, we did our 1999 songs package. And I wrote about the song Take Me There by Love it. Raya and Blackstreet and Mace for the Rugrats soundtrack. And... I don't know, the, the sort of closest I've come to processing chance is like, imagine if Mace's entire rap catalog was just take me there over and over again. I think that's kind of the tone. It's like chance, even though this isn't true, I think he has like maybe different musical notes on earlier in his career with stuff like acid rap. Yeah, it feels like he's making Nickelodeon music in this right. way that just feels very, at this point, it's just an oversaturation of that vibe. And you also can't do the same thing for over and over again. And so many artists face this of just by the fifth or sixth example of the same thing, people get a little fatigued by it. And I, you know, I feel like some of the recent backlash, which was, you know, it's Chance's first album. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> if you're going to use that terminology, I guess so. But he's obviously released a lot of like full projects and there is this thing of, okay, it's this is the same thing over and over again. And we expect people to evolve. Musically, we expect celebrities to evolve. Like, in some way, and this is both screwed up and, like, extremely human, but our investment in celebrities is watching their lives unfold and watching people grow and figure th things out, as we do as well. And if you if someone's stuck in one place or trying to sell you the same thing over and over again, at some point you become aware that they're selling you a thing. Does that make any sense? Do you it think does. that is accurate? It, it is. I, one thing I would say is that I do think musically, right, in terms of musical talent and sort of interests in production, in terms of musical outlook, musically, I think Chance has changed. Um, and done different stuff from project to project over the years. But I do think you're right that on the personality side of it, there's just something very monotonous about his personality that sort of I, makes it easy to paper over the musical differences sometimes. Right. I mean, the the wife guy stuff just seems like he <laughs> he got married and started talking about being married at just like the wrong time in the meme cycle because then suddenly, <laughs> you know, that seems a little unlucky. Like yeah, a year yeah. ago, maybe he would have just been like one more person who was a little too excited about their wedding. But now we have the term wife guy to talk about it. And I, it's... 
I think it's not wrong and it makes me laugh, but that's just, that's bad luck. You never know when the memes are going to get you, you know? Yeah. Be a wife guy. Uh, you know, if any, if I'll give any past the chance, it's go ahead. Be a wife guy. Take pride in being a wife guy. That's fine. I think, I agree. I think be a guy who loves his wife is great. <laughs> I think wife guy <laughs> is actually a useful designation. Don't be a wife guy. Know the difference. And if you don't know the difference, then you're a wife guy, just so you know. Um <laughs> But yeah, so is he a good celebrity? Here's the other thing. Everything that you and I are just talking about is happening within the ecosphere of people who pay attention to Chance, which is, I think, pretty large, but I don't think it's Rihanna large to, you know, just to use the most recent comparison that we have. So I think if he were much more famous— there would be a lot more people who just didn't know anything that we were talking about. And we're yeah. like, oh, Chance, I love him. But I think, I, I, I would be curious what you think about this. I, he was kind of late enough in the fame cycle or kind of in the breakdown of culture, of the monoculture, that I don't know, does, is, does everyone who's following Chance also following this narrative? I don't think so. I think, you know, it's always a small portion of people who are actually yeah. aware of all the nonsense that we're talking about on this podcast. No, but I think you're right because I there is something about Chance where he is simultaneously objectively famous but also has this very distinct sense of micro-celebrity about him. Even though mm-hmm. he's he's clearly not a micro-celebrity, he has big he has big features and a big presence on radio and he's like among other top tier musicians who are unambiguously famous A-list celebrities. But there's just something about the quasi-indie nature of his career that makes it seem like he has he's spe- closer to us. He has a specific following, which yeah. is actually the way to be famous right now. If you're just starting, you need that core group of people who are really dedicated to you. You're going to have more success than if you just try to kind of reach for everyone just because it is everything is so segmented now so in that sense I think he's a good celebrity I think to some extent the answer to your question is in the eye of the beholder and I think there are a lot of people who seem to be kind of tiring of him and that means that he hasn't been doing the job as well as he should have been possibly, but but the job. I mean, from his perspective, the job should be to be a great musician. You know what well, I mean? That's why I kind of sympathize with you. Him. Didn't ask me musician. You asked no, me no, no, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying That's that. Like, true. Yeah, and and I said and I said should, which is not the case at all because maybe he just wants to make music. It seems like he wants to be famous and make money, just based on the choices that he's made in his life and true the people that he's signed with and the and just the amount that he's on the internet. On the flip side, he's a kid of the internet. So we all do it in public now. Who so among I don't us know. isn't a kid of the internet? It's so true. Well, like a lot of people. I just, <laughs> I'm under the wire. I'm basically the oldest child of the internet that exists, but Fair. we did it. All right, topic number three. I'm amused by the pen pal relationship between Bernie Sanders and Cardi B. And I, just I love it. I've been wanting to talk about this. Thank you for bringing this up. <laughs> just what you're, are your thoughts? I'm not even going to say so anymore. What are your mu- thoughts no, you, about No, I, I, you're here. You're yeah. amused. Yeah, I'm amused. I don't know why I'm amused, though. Because, you know, what? It's, it's sort of like the idea of rappers 
and other musicians who are invested in like mainstream politics. It's not like that's new, but there's something about Cardi. Cardi just has this, she has such an outsized personality and such a brash way of articulating herself that feels very like, um, I don't know. It just feels, and, and maybe it's because she is now sort of paired with Bernie Sanders, who himself has this very like, you know, he has like poor volume control and he <laughs> kind of is like, he kind of, you know, he dresses kind of poorly. I don't know. There's something about the meeting of these two minds that feels important. We should talk about, I, I, I love this. I want to talk about Cardi and politics and then we should talk about the pairing of Cardi and Bernie specifically because yes. they're both rich sex. As soon as you were asking how I feel about Cardi, I immediately thought of the the government shutdown video that I, she posted in January, which is quite frankly, still some of the best political commentary that I have seen in the last year, because it was both, it, she has this ability in her music and in her personality just to express what everyone is feeling in a particularly hilarious and incisive way. And that's, that is a gift. And she expressed how I was feeling about the government shutdown much better than I ever could. And so I appreciate that. I feel like we just have so many people saying nonsense all the time. You just talk about this all the time with cable news, that it's just like people blathering and saying nothing. And I appreciate her ability to get to the heart of the matter, as it were. That's exactly it. That is and, her, that is and, her Yeah. And, and also to be entertaining about it, because to some extent, I don't think the issues that she's talking about are entertainment. But, you know, you talk about at the time that cable news is programmed to be entertainment. It's not programmed to be informative, and that's infuriating and damaging our society. But she, I think she's better at it than a lot of people who are supposedly paid a lot of money to do her job. Yes. Uh, the, the Bernie thing is, do you, how did she get paired up with Bernie? I don't, I don't know, know that. Wasn't it? Okay, so I, as best as I could track it, I remember when she endorsed Cynthia Nixon during the, the Democratic primary in New York— and I feel like that was Cardi's toe, like her first toe mm-hmm. into like left wing <laughs> democratic yes. politics in the mainstream. And I feel like everything had to flow from that. Everything flowed from Cardi B telling telling people to vote for Cynthia Nixon <laughs> last year. Yes. And it seems like she also the shutdown video got yeah. a lot of attention. Yeah, it's a lane. She got I'm, a lane. I'm, re- I'm reading a lot about how about this relationship and it seems like her support for Bernie dates back to 2016 when she told Power 105 that she was going to vote for uh, Bernie in the primary I guess so I appreciate the long-term commitment you know You're, you're picking someone and you're sticking with it I think the videos of them together were I the photos were very useful. It was not either of them speaking at the frequency that I think is best suited to them, you know, which in a way is maybe as a summary of democracy. It's a lot of people meeting on one level to have an exchange of ideas. I but I think it's great that she did it. Is it going to help Bernie? I have no idea. Oh yeah, I, I have no I have no insights but the practical of impact or influence of any of this i just think it's funny i think it's funny in a way that again like all of the stuff that's designed to entertain everyone on cable news i don't think it's funny i think it's horrifying but cardi b 
and Bernie. It's 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 both funny, but it is also like respectable. You know what I mean? It's it does it. it it's this rare dissection of entertainment and politics that feels like. Oh, this is what people mean when they play up the idea of, the, of celebrities using their platform to like occasionally like be serious for a few minutes and right. get their listeners who otherwise just care about music or whatever to care about some other stuff. And usually that sentiment annoys me because it's like thrust upon celebrities who aren't necessarily interested or good at it, like the way it's been thrust upon Taylor. But with right. Cardi, it's like she's clearly interested in this stuff. And... She wants to talk to Bernie. I don't know. And, and that's her prerogative. And I think she's doing a good job at it and not yeah. forcing it. I agree with you. You and I have talked a lot about celebrity and politics. And it's something Juliet and I are really interested in as well. And I think we're often both uncomfortable when it gets shoehorned in and when people who have no business talking about politics, either because it's not a natural fit or because they're completely unqualified, um, are suddenly in the political space. But what I like about Cardi is that, she, as you said, she's interested and she's speaking uh, to what she knows and she's doing what she can do and what she's interested in doing. And it makes a tremendous difference. And I also just like, I don't think you can get celebrity out of our politics at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, it, it, in a lot of ways, it's always been in American politics, but certainly for the last, what, 100 years? I blame Kennedy. I mean, Awful that's, president. Yeah. I blame Kennedy. <laughs> Don't even get me started on yeah. Kennedy. But so if if here we are, we might as well have entertaining dialogues between Bernie Sanders and Cardi B. I mean, why not? For real. I mean, he should okay. go on Queen Radio. I mean, he should <laughs> I, also go on Jam Session, but he should go on should Queen he? Radio. <laughs> Nikki needs to paper some things over too. Oh my God! Can you imagine Bernie on Jam Session? Do you think he has? Do you think he knows what like a paparazzi photo is? No, I'm trying honestly. to think of what his what his three topics would be. What would Bernie <laughs> bring to the table? <laughs> Maybe we'll find out. All do right. you know where Rihanna is? I don't know. Okay. We haven't heard from her. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing if we finally found Rihanna and she also <laughs> was like she was like the running mate for Bernie Sanders? Oh honestly, that God. might work. Oh I I wouldn't say no. All right. This has been Jam Session. Just in charity, thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you, you for, for bringing me. your mystery bag. And thank you to everyone for listening. We will be back next week. <laughs>